we are officially live i'll wait till the computer catches up uh, and let people um, find the find the link bump 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 we're here hi guys um welcome to live and undrugged episode 23 um sponsored as always by armor scaffolding and no mean city clothing um and today we're with tony macy and he's gonna share his extraordinary story um it's gonna be the one of the rare occasions where i don't say much i'm just gonna leave it to him is 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 a you, you know is, is a really powerful speaker so with that mate I'll, I'll i'll open it up to you well thanks jack uh, thanks for that intro and it's look, it's a pleasure it's an honor to for you to invite me and to share my story with your viewers um so yeah, my name's Tony Maisie and uh, I'll fire straight in. I was born in South London, England. Um, and I was born into a, a working class, rough and ready family, as we would say. And the first 10 years was, was great. You know, everything was a real happy family, life, loving parents. Um, but we got, I got to about 10 years of age. My, my sister is five years uh, younger than me, so uh, but yeah, everything changed overnight, really. And uh, I think our parents tried to keep it from us. But I think me being the older one, I sort of sussed that there was something wrong. Um, and so my father left and my mum started drinking a lot. And um, and then she started sort of seeing a, a guy and, and he was a he was a tough guy. He was like a very violent man. And, uh, and um, you know, I don't really like that word gangster, but I guess that's the bracket you would put him in. That's the way it is. And he was linked to, uh, you know, a, a sort of well-known crime family um, in London. And, uh, and you know, he was linked with, obviously, with up, up and down the country as well. So, so yeah, I, I got catapulted into that life from young, but the the thing is, was is that he was knocking my mum about quite a lot and uh, it never happened in front of us but you know it could happen outside in the car or something she'd come in and you know I'd be downstairs my sister's asleep and um, next thing you know she's all bloody and broken nose and everything so when you're sort of consulting your mum at two o'clock in the morning you've got to get up for school you know, obviously that has an effect on, on any kids, you know, you're not developed, your brain's not developed. And it's a burden that was put on me, you know, at a very young age. So, so there was a love-hate relationship as I started to grow. Um, I, we still see our father, but he was quite placid really around all of this and, and um, you know, didn't really. And I, I, if I'm honest, really, I didn't, I started to feel like I was being abandoned to look after my mum and my sister. And, uh, you know, I had an uncle, my mum's brother, and he never really come to the rescue, and my grandfather as well. And, and I kind of just started, I started, the bitterness started to come in young. And I remember saying to myself, and I didn't say it to anyone else, I just said it to myself, vowed it to myself, that if anything, if he ever touched my sister, then I would do something about it. And um you know fast forward a few years and 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 that did happen you know i'm sorry to say that that it got very mucky one night and he ended up on a life support 
machine, which, you know, he did pull through, thank God for that. And it's not anything I'm proud of, but it was boys growing to men. And, you know, I just, yeah, that was it. I kind of, I vowed that to myself and I, and I kept my word to myself. And this happened, I was about 21, I think, when that happened. So like, I come away from school and I got involved, like the usual story, you know, I got involved with crime. I was out stealing, doing the petty stuff, you know, cars and, and breaking houses. So I was doing a lot of burglaries and, um, and stuff like that and just thieving and stealing and, you know, as I used to call it, oisting, you know, and whatever really. And, you know, the drugs and everything that came with that, um, you know, that it just became my life really. And I, so I come away from school. I didn't really go much from the age of 14, but from 15, I, I left and I was driving cars at 14 on the road, 15 and things like this. So all of them usual uh, kind of step, step-by-step step things that you do. Well, got to 19, I, the law caught up with me and I went to prison for, for burglary and I was looking at four years, but they gave me 18 months and then suspended half of that, half of that. So really, you know, that was not, not a long jail sentence for really what I had sort of what I was looking at so anyway that I came out and now I got sort of catapulted into the the ser more serious crime because the guy that was with me mum he was still with her and and uh, I started sort of going working with him and, um, and and the crime family he was with and there was there was a lot of money about you know and, and I was working with a, a big you know the, the, a big firm up in Glasgow uh, I'm not into dropping names, it ain't about that, because what I'm bringing here this evening is much bigger than any of that. And that is, I've said before, that life is a curse on your life. It's a curse on your family. It's a curse on your children. I'm not proud of any of that. Uh, but I was in it and I was all right, pretty good at it. You know, I was um, well received by the old school sort of villains. And, um, you know, I was... I say you don't earn the money, but I was there was a few quid about and I was getting it quick. Well, as I said, I, I fell out with this guy. And once I fell out with him, we was then our, arch enemies. And, you know, he put some money on my head and everything. I heard through, through the grapevine that he put £30,000 to have me um, taken out. So I had to deal with that as well. So I kind of come back with, um, I got the people involved up in Glasgow and they came down and, and they said, look, one for one, you know, there's no money involved with, where do you, where sort your problem out for you, you know our problem. Um, and, and, and that's how we sort of went about it. Well, thankfully it didn't come to that. You know, I gave them, you know, I gave them an Uzi machine gun and, and a, a pistol with, with a, uh, silencer and stuff like that and I went and put myself in a hotel and made a nuisance of myself for a few days while they was looking for this guy anyway he got word and, and that was it. It, it 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 sort of petered out so I'm not gonna that's as far as I'm gonna go with talking about any of that life and I've even gone a little bit further tonight than I normally would I don't like glorifying it and I and I won't so that was the kind of life I was involved I was now right at the front line where I was now sort of ripped realizing I was I had to do anything and everything to keep me head above water um, and but there were, all the time Jack there was fear in my heart see the thing is is there was a lot of brokenness that's that stemmed from them young years of 
it's a bit like your spirit. I've heard someone say recently, it's, and I think it's a good way to explain it. It's a bit like an elastic band when you're a young kid. You can only be stretched so far and then it's something's got to give. And there is a thing called disassociation. I've been in LL Healing and Deliverance Ministry, uh, which I'll talk about later on. So I, I, I do a lot of healing and deliverance ministry now. So I understand about these things. Part of us can fragment off when we're put under a lot of pressure. And some, I think I was a sensitive kid. I think some, some kids are more sensitive than others and can, some can take more stretching than others. But in the end, something's got to give. So one story is no less or no more than, than any other story. It depends on the kid and, and that kid's sort of level of, um, you know, how far they can be stretched. And, uh, you know, it's all, it's all just too much for any kid, you know. And, and of course, the drinking and the drug taking, you can't, you, you can't, you, you're not developed. You know, I don't think anyone can handle it, but especially when you're a young kid, you know, you, you just can't. And I think the demons were flying in young at that point. And I started to get very, very paranoid by the, by the age of 18, 19. I had a spirit of fear clearly now. I can look back. There was a spirit of fear at work in me. And, um, you know, I, I used to get a lot of psychosis, especially when I took cocaine. You know, I'd be walking around with a carving knife and all that in my pocket and thinking that people are following me. And, and you know, I'd be thinking that they're watching me through the TV and, you know, there's like this big global conspiracy against me, like I'm some kind of social uh, experiment. And, you know, so it's, you, you, you really, you know, I was in this drink and drug induced psychosis. And, um, well, I'm, I'm sure you know, and I'm sure a lot of your viewers will understand that. So, so with that, I became more violent because I was trying to harness that fear and push it down in the basement, that little kid. That I was trying to push down and I didn't want anything to do with feeling fearful especially with the life that I was leading you don't show that you're frightened in that world and I've become very good at acting and, and and you know I could act out anything and I could sit with and I did do you know sat with killers and and, and that and they would never have known any different you know and I've just become very good at uh, masking that fear and carrying out certain things again I'm sorry to say carrying out certain things that um that people would say well there's no way that that guy's worried about anyone you know so again it's amazing how that fear can actually drive you to do tremendous acts of violence um because you're trying to keep the world away from yourself and the way that I used to do it was throw money around it and keep everyone away from me with a parting with a few quid and I'm, I'm using violence and and um and unfortunately that came into the home as well at times you know i'm i'm, I'm sad to, to say you know because sometimes you don't know how to switch off because it uh, it wasn't my my identity i created this identity and i was so far in it that i didn't know who i was so um you know i was just completely looney tunes really you know and and that life you know, went, went on throughout many, many years. And of course I had many, many broken relationships. Um, and, you know, I've got four wonderful daughters with three different, that were through three different relationships. Um, but I see 
you know, I've, I've got wonderful relationships with, with, with my daughters and I've got two little grandchildren as well now, uh, years later. But, you know, there was a lot of, um, lot of upheaval and there was a lot of brokenness there, which really catapulted me into, um, you know, into, into living that, that life. And again, I do talk about the occult practices that was in my family lines. And as some of your viewers might not understand, so I don't want to go too much into that, but there is such a thing called generational iniquity. And that comes down, that's very biblical, and it comes down through the generations. You know, the sins of our fathers is probably the best way to explain it. And there was a lot of witchcraft, occult, you say witchcraft, what are you talking about? The, the Middle Ages here, but you know, witchcraft, rebellion, it's all against God's word. So it's there and it doesn't matter when you're living, whether you're now thousands of years ago or uh, in a thousand years time, it's God, you're, if you're rebelling against God, um, that's it. You know, it's it's the same as witchcraft in his eyes. And and, and But there was actually a lot of occult practices regarding you know, even things like Ouija board and stuff like this, you know, but there was murder in my family. I mean, my, I'm sorry to say my grandmother during the second world war was, was performing illegal abortions um, during, during that period. And I don't know how long that went on for. So I had a lot of ministry and deliverance into this because there was a spirit of, of death that was working in my coming at me. There was a curse of death on my life. And, um, and the spirit of murder and stuff like this. So again, that's a whole thing that you can take off and that's a, that's a session, that's a, you know, a couple of hours on itself, you know, on its own, but we won't go there. I'm just trying to touch on some stuff and put it all together as, as and try and make sense of the bigger picture without going off in too many different directions. So anyway, I stayed out of jail. Um, and I went, I ended up now very depressed. I suffered with depression all my life. Um, and it was really only the drinking the drugs that sort of, I was up and down like a yo-yo on, on that. And that was just self-medicating, you know, really was, was um, and I think I always managed to somehow, I don't know whether it was ambition or what, but I always, I could lose it for a week or a couple of weeks, but then I'd somehow get myself together and, and I had money to pick up or whatever, or there was something happening. I had to be somewhere and I just pulled myself together, put some good clothes on, got a good car out the front, and all of a sudden, like no one knows any different. And so you're walking really, you're in this prison and not really anyone, only really my best pal really understood me very, very well. And he used to get me out of so many problems where I was in that psychosis um, where I wanted to go out and you know just take revenge on certain people and just you know I was just crazy you know and he talked me out of so many different things bless his heart um, and, and really looked out for me for, for many 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 years you know and, and, and you know that was that was a godsend you know because if he hadn't been in my life this particular friend and I think I would have got into a lot more trouble than I did really. So look, that was it. You can probably make, makes, you can make your mind up what that life was all about. Um, but I, if I fast forward to the age of 40, I was actually 40, 41 ish. And I was now in a trailer. I split with my 
then wife and two young kids that I had with, with, with her and, and I ended up in a trailer on my own down at Peacehaven on the south coast of, of England and um, I'm now in that trailer and I'm sort of passively really trying to drink myself to death you know I'm, I'm um, you know just just really going for it and uh, but I used to take a lot of amphetamine so you'd have days and days where you're where you're up all night for days and days and days and then I'd just sort of crash or I'd be take I'd take a load of Valium to dies of pain to sort of knock myself out with the drink but and then I was eating the cracks I was washing I, I mean on and off through my life you know I'd, I'd be I'd, I'd get into the crack now and again but I didn't go to extremes with it but this period once I got to this period in my life then I was I was on it a lot I was washing it up myself and, and and just you know really sort of you know just go missing I'd have the curtains pulled and and that was it. But again, the psychosis would kick in. There'd be like seagulls landing on the roof. And I'd, I'd be in my boxer shorts at four o'clock in the morning with a carving knife, sneaking around, thinking there's someone on the roof. And, you know, so, um, well, what happened was something definitely busted in that, in that trailer one night. And um, I felt like it's almost like I'd blown an head gasket. You know, if someone knows, if you know about cars, I don't, I'm not a mechanic, but, you know, when the head gasket goes, the water starts running into the oil and it's only a matter of time before it's, the engine's going to seize up. And that's what happened to me. And I started to see black things flying around in the room. Now, and this went on for weeks. It weren't just a one-off thing. And I, I realised that, well, I was very, I actually sensed something come in one night and this is how it starts to get really supernatural, my story, because this was, this was now the catalyst for the, for the next stage of where I'm going to take this, what happened to me. I knew that something had broken, I was seeing things and it wasn't, it wasn't because I was, obviously I was taking a lot of gear and stuff like that, but it was nothing to do with that. Yeah, there was something spiritual open through almost like some kind of membrane or something and I couldn't speak to anyone about it I knew that I'd get written off you know and and I found out someone mentioned to me about ayahuasca if you go to the Peruvian jungle you can drink a potion with Indian tribes in the Amazon and um, this this is a healing potion and uh, and um, so I didn't really understand much about and certainly didn't know anything about shamanism and stuff like that but I knew that I was broken and, and I knew that I was going to seize up any minute now and that was my last chance I knew that 50 50 I was maybe never going to come back and that was I'd never been at a point of no return like that before and I and I went out there limping spiritually and I ended up in a town called Akitos and um and it was there this is like the the hub really where they all fly into the new you know the new age people the light seekers and all of this and and I guess I was one of them to a degree but you know I, I was looking for the meaning of life I was looking why is my life so painful why is the world so wicked why have I been so wicked why can I never express myself and why has everything got so bad why was it never any good you know all of these things and I thought, well, I want to know the meaning of life. And maybe this is the way is to go deep into the spiritual aspects of, 
well, I wouldn't have called it witchcraft when I went out there. I certainly wouldn't have got involved with anything if I knew that it was it was demonic realms, because this is what I'm getting to here. There was no way I would have done that willingly. I thought I'm just going and going to get healed. And it was my last chance saloon situation. And I went out there with intentions of not coming back unless I felt I was sorted out. Well, um, you know, I ended up in the in the jungle with about 14 or 15 other Western people there. There was two or three shamans and so on. There was uh, another guy from New Zealand who was practicing shamanism and had done for years. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I was taking this stuff and, and um, what I experienced in that jungle, it just got, it's like I jumped out the frying pan into the fire now. And, you know, we're four hours from any nearest civilization. And um, it took four hours on a, on a boat and that was with a little sort of outboard engine on it. So it was probably doing, I don't know, 10 knots or something. I don't know how far we was, 50 mile away from anywhere where there was civilization. So we're with this tribe, take the potion. And um, I'll tell you, one night, you know, this spirit was coming up through, I call it a spirit now, but I was holding my head and it went to the shape of a snake. And I could feel the, the eyes and I could feel the texture of the skin of this snake. And it was big, it was like my head was big, bigger than my head. And then it would go and then come back up, up again. And, and um, this guy that was a few, a couple of meters away from me, he started making a right weird noise. Um, and, um, there was a demon started coming out of this guy and it was coming up out of him maybe a, a meter or so and um and it was making almost like a kind of a jurassic type sound um and going back into him and it, it was then it was aligning with me and i was trying to get up now and trying to get away and i couldn't stand up and next thing the witch doctor's in front of me and he's blowing mapacho smoke over me and then he's put his hand through the smoke and he's touched my stomach and something was wriggling around him. And let me tell you, I took a look, took psychedelics and all that, LSD and everything. This is nothing, this is, you're going outside. This is going externally. You're going to, into demonic realms. I'm gonna use that word straight away because, you know, this, this is what we're, when you're taking that stuff and you're under, see, taking the potion is one thing, but when you're coming under, the, the, the witch doctor and his spells and his power, then you're coming under that demonic influence. And that's really, you put the two together and that's, you know, a recipe for, for disaster. And, and um, so I was now, you know, being attacked by this spirit also that was coming through from this other guy. And I remember rolling around on the floor and I'd had a lot of fights and, I've been in a lot of different situations in my life and I wasn't too worried about walking into any situation. I was pretty good at fronting things in that world that I lived in. But let me tell you, that night, that was the biggest fight of my life. And I think it, it couldn't, you couldn't never match that. I mean, it was, I was rolling around and I was trying to <clears throat> stop it coming through into my mouth. And I was, sort of almost strangling myself to stop it going into my down my throat and and I was 
saying get out i'm not evil get out you know and i think that was a bit of a misjudgment on my part to say that i was see evil i didn't think that i was evil and this is the trouble we we don't realize that the works of evil that we're doing in, in life until we're given that truth and of course i was given the truth afterwards which i'll come to so i'm rolling around saying get out of me i'm not evil well of course the devil had knew, knew, knew the script and he knew that he had rights to attack me uh, because of the evil that I'd done throughout my life, you know, all of the drugs that I'd put on the streets, all of the violence, all of the, now the witchcraft, and also, you know, I mean, I would go and every now and again when I was really lost, you know, I would go to a clairvoyant now and again. So I've kind of sort of opened myself up to the demonic anyway, willfully myself. But again, I wouldn't have called it that. It was just like, oh, trying to get some spiritual guidance in life again it's all you know ignorance you just if you don't know you're, you're you're being you know you're just walking into darkness and and opening up more doors to the devil and it's not until god reveals that truth to us that we can then re agree with him for what he wants to do for us and, and deliver us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light again i won't go too much into i don't want to get too preachy you know but i can bring that later um so look i realized that there was no way in the world i was going to take any more of this stuff i got through that evening we all did there was grown men that were screaming in that hut and there were women that were screaming but there was men that were crying for their lives you know it grown men you know it was a very very fearful situation and and but for me i was the closest one to it and i've I can't say how it was affecting other people. I just know that it became a taboo. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Well, we still, had, after that evening, we still had probably another 10 days to go. Um, and they was doing the ceremonies every two days after that. Well, I tried to talk people out of it. I said, you, you know, they didn't have that contained. You know, they're out of their depth. And I spoke to the guy that had the demon, and it's a bit... <laughs> It's a bit sort of for me to say, oh, the guy that had the demon, because I had a lot going on. But it was then again, I was still in, even in a little bit denial at that point. So I'm saying to him, where, where did that come from? And he admitted that the reason he went to the jungle is because he went there looking to get freed from that demon. And uh, because he got involved, he'd, he'd, he'd been uh, invited a guy into his house many times, like a who was into sort of sorcery so skulls you know glass skulls and different crystals and meditating and all of this stuff you know, i don't know too too much about you know exactly what they but it was that kind of thing so he said he sent something come into him one night so he knew that he wanted he went there to get delivered and i'm going to use that word delivered i wouldn't have used that word at the time but i was there really looking to do the same looking for the same thing i was looking for healing but I wouldn't have called it deliverance. Well, as I say, we got through that night. I spoke to him afterwards. I even said to one or two of the shamans, like, you should take him out to that tree because there was a tree that they called the sacred tree. Take him out there, strap him to the tree and get that out of him. And in my naivety, I thought that that was possible because I didn't understand anything about the, the real truth around the supernatural powers and who's really got the authority to do that 
and there's only one person that's got the what's God, it's got the authority, Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus. We know this thing. I'll come to that again later on. So there's only one authority that can deliver anyone powerfully from, from the realms of darkness and demons, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's that's Jesus. That's God. So, but I didn't know any of that. I had no, no clue about any of that. And I'm just right in the darkness, in the thick of it. Well, they started to go back in and I think they just wanted to be close to the shamans. And I was trying to talk some of them out of it. And uh, they went back in two nights later and I just sat on my own in a hut a few yards away, 40 odd yards away or something. And it, they took the potion again. And of course, I'm there on my own and I just... I just, you know, I just knew it was going to be a long night again. And um, I was frightened, you know, I, obviously there's no way I was going to take any more, but I was really frightened. And and I got, I was in the hammock for a little bit. And then I, once they all started sort of, because they, once you start purging, they're making all sorts of groaning noises and and it does make you vomit a lot, ayahuasca. So everyone had a bowl and so on. But once I could hear that happening, I thought any minute now that's going to start kicking off that demon, because I knew, how could it not be still in him? Well, sure enough, as it, it started to manifest again, and um, I could hear the, 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 the screams from other people, and I just got on my knees, and that was it. I was so frightened, and, and I kind of went back to a default mode, and I went to Sunday school a couple of times as a kid, you know, um, and I remember because they used to give me give you chocolate, and I don't know whether that was the reason at the time, but if I think back now, it was really, I think I just went for the chocolate, right? So, so two or three times max. And I went back to a default mode. I'm in that jungle and I feel sick, even though I haven't took anything. I'm just like, there's something not feeling right in my stomach, wriggling around. I just feel sick and, and I'm in hell. And, and I'm just, I go back to default mode and I'm, I now just close my eyes and I now just start saying to Jesus, if you're real, I start praying to Jesus, you know, I'm saying, if you're real, please help me. And not only that, please help these other poor people in the, in that hut next door. And I just, yeah, I would just close my eyes and I kept them shut and I was just praying to God, praying to Jesus for, cause I was out of sh sheer selfish fear. And, um, well, I got through that night and I did feel comforted. I did feel that, um, that, that, that I was, you know, I did feel comforted. I got through that. And, and, um, so as the days went on and the, we was count, I was counting the days down because the boat was going to pick us up at the end of 15 days. And there's no way I didn't have any army experience. I'm not going to trek 50 miles or whatever it is succumb to an animal I might have thought I was a bit of a tough guy and all that but when it comes to it you know if you're at when you're at your comfort zone you know that's a different different ball game so um I was stuck there I weren't going to go anywhere and uh, they did have little small little fishing rowing boats but um by this time one of the shamans had spoke to me and said look if you go it was actually a New Zealand guy he said look if you leave he said they're all going to want to leave and he kind of talked me in and I just thought you know what I'm just going to see this out so every night they went back in I would just stay on my own and I found myself praying every night and you know it was I guess that was the beginning if I look back now that was the beginning of it or well, I wouldn't have realized it at the time I was just praying in sheer 
fear and, and selfish fear, really. Um, well, the boat picked us up at the end of the 15 days and we went back to Akitos and we all started breaking company and I went off into the mountains and I ended up staying for a couple of months in the mountains in a place called Cusco and other in the sacred valley and stuff like that. Well, weird things really started to happen to me now continually after that. I'd opened myself up even further now to the demonic. And I remember sitting on, as one example, I remember sitting on the end of my bed in Cusco alone and I started doing the pendulum and I, they was doing it in the jungle and I started doing it with an ayahuasca piece of the ayahuasca route, which they would tell us to use, wear, you know, wear it around our neck as extra protection against evil spirits, which is a bit lame really, but we was all wearing them. So I'm now dangling this in Cusco and I'm dangling it over my hand and I'm asking it questions. And at one point it went up to a 45 degree an angle like that and stayed there for about two, when you count one, two, maybe two full seconds and then it went back slow, right? Well, at that point I was, well, I've never seen anything like that. And it was, this is powerful stuff. And now every time I started to close my eyes to sleep at night, I was seeing reptilian eyes looking back at me. And let me tell you, Jack, these, these Shipibo tribes and these, these Amazon, Amazonian tribes and that, they worship, well, certainly where I was, they worship the anaconda spirit and all of their tapestries, like the old ladies sit and make the tapestries in the camp. And their tapestries are all really paying homage to this snake. And all they've always, there's always a snake in there, an anaconda somewhere, colourful and so on. And, um, and that explained now, looking back in hindsight, that explained that spirit that was coming up through me. So they believe that that's the healing spirit. It takes you, takes the human spirit on a journey and that's where the healing takes place and so on. And, and that's, that's, what they, that's what they believe and that's how they carry on. So, um, but now what I was seeing is I was seeing these reptilian eyes every time I would close my eyes to sleep. And I was now, very fright, frightened of that, and, and um, I just, I just felt that there was always presence, like I was being watched all the time, and you know things were weird were happening all the time, like I'm putting keys in the door and they wouldn't work, and then someone had come from reception wherever I was staying in this particular time, and the key would work straight away, and it's like there was tricks being played on me. I just got further pulled into this, into this dark world. Well. Um, there was a, a woman that, that um, now I don't normally go too far into this, it's in the book and it's really, because look, this could take a long time, but there was a girl that I started seeing, an American girl that was one of the people that were in the jungle and we got on really well and she came, she went back to America and she came back out and met me in, in the mountain regions and stayed with me for about six weeks and we started a relationship. Now, um, I won't go into that other than what I thought was a match made in heaven just turned out to be another um, another deception by the enemy. Because look, I can say at this point now that there was a calling on my life that I had no idea about. And I'd opened myself up to something and there was a fight for my soul. 
And that good old fashioned fight is very real over good and evil. But now I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it in the spirit. I'm being attacked spiritually. And I've prayed to Jesus. And that's about as far as it's got with my, you know, re reaching out for help at that point. And I was just, so she came out. We started this relationship. And at the end of them six weeks, she went back to uh, Oregon in the States. And I flew back to England. Well, let me tell you now, things were just starting to open up more and more. Like I was asleep one night, woke up early hours in the morning. I've looked to the left and uh, there's, a, there's a kid kneeling, a, a, a kid about six, looks about six, seven years of age, maybe. A, a child that looked like a child that had jet black, long, wide eyes. Uh, a girl, hair swept back, very dark hair and was just staring at me. So I've turned away and I've looked again and still just stare, like staring at me, waiting for me to make a move. And of course I broke contact. So I was, I was, I was out of my depth there. And I just, I looked up to the ceiling. I just said, oh God, please help me. And then I sort of see something move and I looked again and the right hand went up, the right hand went up, I say, or it's right hand rather. And, 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 and this thing giggled behind me, behind the hand, as if like an innocent child would, but it wasn't, it was giggling at my fear and my despair. It was just sheer evil and then it disappeared. That went on for a long time. That wasn't just a couple of seconds, that went on for quite a bit of time. Well, I laid there, I was too trashed to get out of the bed and might have laid there for 20 minutes, half hour. Went to put the lamp on, bang, the, the light bulb went. And, um, so as so things like this were happening now, and um, I ended up down at the trailer again, where it all began, and and something poked me in the middle of the night under the ribs, and and I I was just in, and she was in 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 America, and I was saying to her because she was into the occult, which I would call it that now, but I didn't realise she was a, a massage therapist, but she was like cranial sacral therapy and stuff like this, but. She was into the crystals and all that. She knows, I think she'd probably been into a lot more than, than she ever let on to, but that's, I'll leave it there because that's not for me to go into something I don't know yeah. for sure. Um, so, uh, as I say, these things started to happen to me. She would say to me, I'll grind salt everywhere in the trailer because that, wards off evil spirits so i'd be grinding salt everywhere of course that didn't make any difference um so now i'm getting poked so i'm jumping up hanging onto the door frame dressed half dressed get in the car come back to my mother's place that i had a key to and this where i'm laying here one night and i'm i'm thinking suicide is the only way out you know and i laid on the sofa i didn't want to go into the room where the devil kid had been because that was, that's where it had happened. Um, you know, obviously, it was just following me. This thing was following me around everywhere, and and um, I laid down. Every time I closed my eyes, these demonic faces would come in at me through this door that had been opened. Um, so I'm getting like the reptilian eyes, and and also these other faces that were coming in that looked kind of human-ish, but wasn't clearly wasn't. And I just I gave up at that point. I think I laid down and I was just, it, I just didn't know where to turn. I, I didn't want to take my life, but I just thought I can't, 
I'm inside this horror movie and I don't know where to turn. If I go and speak to a doctor, they're going to write on a section me. I can't, who do I speak to about this stuff? I don't know. I know my strength. If you could say, where did my strength come from? People have said, I don't know how you got through it. Well, you know, well, this, this next stage will explain it. I think I'm laying now and I'm closing my eyes as usual. And, you know, nothing's just this stuff's coming in at me. And then I, close them again and then all of a sudden I'm given a vision of a man in a lowly position laying down to it, it, say laying down not sort of reclining slightly to, to the right of me in a, in a lowly position to me so if I'm looking straight it's I'm looking down and he it was a slim man and he had short-ish hair sort of shoulder collar length curly um, cropped beard a prominent nose and his mouth was moving well, he was wearing a crown of thorns, so that gives it away. And um, wearing like a sort of a beige type colour tunic, I guess. But his mouth was moving, this went on for a, a few seconds and, and all of a sudden everything just went black, popped, just popped. And he disappeared. And also everything else did. And as I say, so I'm now in succession, I'm closing, opening, closing my eyes fast. And I realised that there'd been a healing, like that, that that door had been closed, that the shamans had opened up, had been closed by a man I could have only have said was Jesus Christ of Nazareth because he's wearing a crown of thorns. And I realised at that point, <laughs> what did I realise? Well, I'm in shock, but there was a peace over me. I felt a peace. And, but where do I go with this? And I just laid down my head and tears I remember run out down my each side of my eyes and I remember they fell onto the pillow and I heard them just drop drop like that it was that silent and, and I just was crying I was just thanking at that point I was actually saying thank you Jesus for what you've just done you've just and I realized what did I realize I realized at that point that that's got to be God that must be Jesus that's Jesus he's done look he didn't have long hair but he had he had the crown of thorns and whatever he was speaking made them demons leave and that door closed and i think at that point i knew that he he what he'd done for me he healed me but also that he was all powerful you know there was god was reaching out to me and he was trying to help me and he had helped me at that point so of course the next day or two where do i go and i didn't know any christians not one do I go to, if I go to speak to a vicar or something, you know, they're just going to say, who do you think you are, that you're, that you think you've seen Jesus? And I didn't know about any of this, you know, I didn't think that I would be encouraged or even embraced. So I kept it to myself and um, I, I told the girl that I was with, the American girl. So anyway, look, at this point, I started to now get attacked through her which I will now tell you was the Jezebel spirit that was coming at me through her. Because the Bible says that when you, when you come together with somebody and you, you have a sexual relationship with them, you become one flesh with them. And, and I, as I said, I pray into a lot of this stuff for other people now. And this is a very real thing. So when you become one flesh with somebody, then they, you know, you become knitted together in body, soul and spirit, you know? And, and so I'm now, in, in an illegitimate relationship, I'm not married, 
and and again this is another way for uh you know darkness to to come at me now you know darkness was coming at her as well you know look god loves us all he wants us all to come to salvation he wants to receive salvation for his son jesus christ so but i realized that i was being attacked through this woman and once i'd had that vision um i was i ended up looking for someone who was actually my one of my daughters uh, gave me a little Gideon Bible not that she's a Christian but it was in a in a um, it was from the, the, the primary school that she went to and now she was in secondary school a little Gideon read uh, New Testament and Psalms so um, when I went and picked some old books up from my old house where I used to live with the kids it was on the top there so I kept this in my pocket and when I would open it randomly, I didn't know how to read, but I started opening it randomly. And, it, and a lot of the time, the, the scriptures around the Jezebel, like in Revelations and things like this, would come up quite a bit. And um, by this point now, she was living over here with me, this woman, and uh, we was living in a barn conversion on a farm. And I woke up one night, mid well, that was about five o'clock in the morning, to the sound of what sounded like an angelic type sound but it wasn't a nice you know it was it was like a monotone it was just coming it was on one level it wasn't going up and down this sound and I just sat up in bed she was to the side of me and she had her back turned to me and I looked over like this and her mouth was just slightly open but she was obviously breathing but um, she wasn't speaking it was just coming through her and I now know, now know that to be a demonic tongue because, you know, I, I, I speak in tongues myself. And, and of course, I always in prayer meetings and so on. So I know when I look back in, my, in the memory of that, that was that was a tongue that wasn't what well, it definitely it was. A, it was a demonic tongue. It was an angelic demonic tongue. And um, I just got up that morning, it was five-ish or something, whatever time it was, and I sat at the table. And by that point, I had a bigger Bible that was on the table. And again, you know, I'd go to these scriptures and I knew that God was speaking to me through the book of Exodus as well. And he was basically, I knew he was speaking to me about, you know, the story of Exodus and and trusting him, you know, in, in this, he was leading me out of darkness into a wilderness season if you like and he was showing me and I had a long way to go at that point you know I still I hadn't I realized that God was reaching out to me and that there was a power a, a supernatural fight over my soul and I knew that this was very real but thank goodness that that this that God was turning up the way he was and, and Jesus was reaching out to me. The Holy Spirit was reaching out to me. And Jesus says in, his, in, his, in John 15, 16, he says, I chose you when he was sitting with his disciples, his friends. He called them friends before he went to the cross. He said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you to, to go and bear fruit and that your fruit would, would remain and so on. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give you. So, so. The reason I'm bringing that is because <clears throat> God was reaching out to me. You know, I was praying at that point, but God was reaching out 
to me and and I look back and he did he said you know it's like he said you're coming with me um, and I'm going to get you out of this but there was a long way to go and um, at this point all of the crazy stuff was still carrying on and I at that point I just wanted to be close to Jesus because I knew he was my only hope I'd given up the drug game completely I gave away a few uh, people that I had sort of contacts I'd had for years because I never had that anymore. I didn't, I never had the, I, I never had the, what it takes to be in that. I was too far gone. So I mean, I was just, so there's no way I could turn up on meets and hold it together seriously. And that, so I just gave that up like sharpish. And um, I was living on what, what money I, I had. And um, yeah, so at that point, I knew I had to burn bridges behind me and I didn't know how to do it. Well, I flew out to um, Israel and I got baptised in the River Jordan because I'd read that Jesus was baptised in the Jordan. I just wanted to be close to God. I wanted to somehow show that I was trying. And I know that that's not necessary. You get baptised anywhere. But I didn't know anything about the faith. And I just was being, you know, I just wanted to do what I what I felt was the right thing to do. Well, of course, I was baptised, and as I went on before, I went under the water. I, I promised that I would repent and turn away from evil and surrender my life to Jesus, and so on. Well, the thing is, is I, as I came up out the water, I looked because I knew there was I had demonic in me or working through me, and I even looked back into the river to see if there was anything in there. And there, there was nothing clear and was that, you know, there wasn't obviously anything like, like that. And, and I spent 10 days there and then I came back and the trouble con continued. I was still being attacked. And when she would come back to America, go back to America, the attacks would get worse. And I would find myself on my knees. I bought a wooden cross and I put it on the wall in the barn conversion I was staying in. And I would feel like my mind was being pulled out of my head and, and I couldn't, like, my thoughts were being vacuumed away before I could make sense of them. And I would just get on my knees at that point and I would just now say, all I could keep saying was, Jesus, nothing can uh, take your love away from me. Nothing can separate your love from me, Jesus. And I would say it over and over and over. And then it would finally leave, leave me, the attack. And this went on for you know, and she would be in America and then she would be seeing other guys and that Jezebel was trying to get me jealous, which it was doing because it knew how to, it wanted to crush me, it wanted to stop my walk towards Jesus because the devil knew that God was calling me. The devil knew that the God was calling me and he didn't, he was doing everything in his power to stop that from happening. And he was using this woman and, and the relationship as part of that process, as part of that process. Well, we split up eventually, she went missing and um, I realized that I needed deliverance. In fact, my mother was walking through a town, the town, local town center and a man come up to her and gave her a card and said, someone in your family needs deliverance. And she didn't even know like what that word and I come and visited her sh shortly afterwards and she said oh someone gave me this card the other day and I looked at it and I just started to shake with fear inside and what what 
was written on it I knew was linked to me and it was it was deliverance from demons and curses well I put the card down I was I just oh, I was so full of fear and but I realized that I had to I think I might even ripped it up in fear and threw it away but I realized after a couple of days that I had to seek out help and I knew that Jesus was helping me but I needed help I needed to go into a sanctuary somewhere and, and get away and be around godly people to help me get out hopefully there was going to be help for me because I wasn't sure if I, if, if I was too far gone I'd been baptized why was I still being attacked and why was all this still happening to me well I limped into this Christian healing and deliverance ministry called LL Ministries and I spent nine days there and and and, and during those nine days I was taught repentance what it truly meant to repent to, to godly sorrow as opposed to worldly sorrow see it's easy for us to lick our wounds and go oh do you know why is this all happening to me you know oh I you know this happened you know why is this all why 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 me 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 instead of actually getting on our knees and saying I am sorry for all of the wicked things that I've done in my life well once I was taught about that and once the word of God was cleared clear on to me about it and I was prayed for I then uh, got on my knees it was a visual I didn't need to do it there was a wooden there's a wooden cross on their grounds and I got on my knees and I said Jesus and I was shaking and I knew the, the witchcraft the ayahuasca and that was a big one but there was a lot of other stuff in my life that was really big as well going back to my early years violence tremendous violence there was a lot but it was this potion taking and this uh, this whole shamanism thing I've got roped into was a big one and I got on my knees and I said Jesus I'm so sorry please forgive me I repent I surrender my life to you please help me and I and I really truly gave my heart to Jesus that 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 morning that day it was on a Friday and then on the Saturday the next day they had a, 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 a what they call a Jesus Hills Day and they have a few hundred people coming from outside there's a big hall there and people sit there and they get taught about the word of God and then they can go up for it's a deliverance ministry and you get two ministers allocated well I got through got through it but then I was starting to, my vision was going I was sweaty and my legs felt jelly and I was just really felt sick and terrible and I, I tried to sort of walk out the out the hall and there was a woman there a, a, a Christian woman and she said oh Tony you should really go up for prayers she'd actually spoke to me a couple of times during the week and prayed even prayed with me I mean and I didn't want to look like I was soft or anything and I just turned around I sort of wobbled back to the front got in the queue and then they got I got allocated two men two ministers and it was there that I sat down with these two men and and they spoke to me for a while and they said why have you come for a prayer and I explained what I've been involved with and I said you know I just repent of this and I just want to be delivered and and that was it once I brought it out into the light uh before two two men of God, they was witnessing to me, and I brought bringing it out into life, confessing. One of them put his hand behind me and started praying in tongues, and the other guy just put his hand up in front of me and was praying as well. And all of a sudden, I felt a coil release in the bottom of my spine, and I felt it come up my back, and my head went forward, and, and I made like a grunting sound, and it shot out 
and I felt the coils, one, two, three, four, or whatever, come out the back of my neck. In it's a, it, like the sh like this the, the feel of a, a serpent spirit, a snake. Mm. And it left me, and um, I was given clarity at that point, and I just looked at the guys. I don't think I even said too much. I just got up and just walked out, walked through the crowd out outside, and. And I, it was, a, a, as I say, a sense of clarity. And I realized that something profound had just left me. And I realized that, that you know, I'd been delivered of, of, a, of a, a, a nasty spirit. And I realized also that Holy Spirit, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit is above all the other spirits. Because like, I was still, still very early in that faith. I was really just learning. But you know what, what I realized at that very early stage and is that, when I truly gave and surrendered to the will of God and I've repented before Jesus, it was then that I, I, it's not that I'd given Jesus the authority because he's already got it, obviously. But when we agree with what God's going to wants to do for us and we say, yes, I repent. And you're saying you're, you're what you're doing is you're taking the authority from Satan. You're giving it to Jesus. And Jesus is above Satan, he's well above Satan, he's sovereign over all, all of the demonic kingdoms, he's way above any, any of this. So once you transfer that will through your, with your own free will, Satan has to back off. So, so he's, that's when his demon had to leave, because I've given God permission and said, yeah, I agree, please, rep I repent, I surrender my life, please deliver me. And Jesus done exactly that, he delivered me, because that's the power he's got. So at that point, of course, there was a lot going through my mind, but that's the real fundamental thing that I realized is that I was now, I now have been given the truth. And I knew that I had to burn every bridge behind me. And I wanted to repent now of all the crime, all the violence, all of the things that I've done, sleeping with all of the different women, too many to, re to, to, to remember, uh, you know, all of the terrible things that I've done in my life, and that started the road to sanctification, which still continues today. The Lord still brings up Holy Spirit will bring things to the forefront. And then you just got to uh, repent and say, look, you know, and, and that, that you, you get deeper revelation of Jesus. So so that that's really where I normally finish my story. I mean, from then, that was in 2017, at the end of 2017, I've been on mission I've been as far as Australia in prisons and, and South Africa and, and uh, you know, I've been to Ireland speaking to uh, men that God's turned around, you know, ex-terrorists and stuff like this. I, I, and I go out on the street every Saturday afternoon and preach the gospel in my local town. And I do continual healing and deliverance ministry for other people. I've got one tomorrow morning, a two hour session. I pray at least two or three times a week. I went into Croydon. And this guy won't mind me saying this. I won't share his name, but I was in Croydon this Saturday gone. And this man, I've been praying for him on and off for a couple, about 18 months. And there was Freemasonry in his family. His father was high in Freemasonry. And I knew he needed deliverance. This man preaches the gospel. But I knew there was deliverance required. And he phoned me and he said, I've had some rough nights. He said, I'm shaking in the night. My wife's telling me and I'm waking up with pain in my back. He said, can I come and see you? And he came and see me. And I sat with him on a bench for two hours in Croydon Town Centre. And he repented of a load of stuff. He forgave his father for the witchcraft and the Freemasonry that he was involved with and all of these things. And, 
and he was delivered tremendously and he went home that night and the, the, he spewed up a load of black stuff into the into the toilet he sent me a photo of it um just it was absolutely caked with thick tarry stuff that had come out of him and um and that's where god uses me now he, he puts me in the trenches with other people that are, 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 and it's normally heavy deliverance that i do but but healing sometimes is is what it's all about you know because a lot of this comes from deep wounding that goes back to early days and and we're kind of set up wrong from the start and then we go out on out on that road and in that harsh world that we're living in and, and we just start piling the sin on ourselves you know but so a lot of the time you've got to get to the root of the problem you've got to get to the root of the issue a lot of the time we pray for people someone's got depression you're praying against a spirit of depression or anxiety you might get some comfort for a little while but it'll come back because you haven't got to the root where's where's it started from where's the where's the broke what's the brokenness where does it root where's it root what's it rooted in and that's that's that prayer ministry capacity that's where the holy spirit leads the process jesus leads the process and and he gets to the deep wound in there you know isaiah 61 verse 1 says that he came to uh, preach good tidings to, to the poor uh, and to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free and that's and he sees that deep healing that we need that we don't even know i i, I received a tremendous healing 18 months ago when i went back into ll ministry and it was after it's receiving a bit more deliverance um and and i received a tremendous healing which was again disassociation you know there was a part of me that broke off as a young young boy and and um and jesus brought, brought him back in and and, and i was you know it was a, a tremendous healing that took up went over three hours and it was a very beautiful one of two men were ministering to me one of them had tears crying his eyes out you know because of the beauty the beauty of that god loves us so much he wants to heal us he wants to use us powerfully to share his gospel to further his kingdom but he wants to heal us as well in ways that we can't even imagine but we must surrender to the will of jesus and he will yeah he will bless us so i'm going to hand it over to you um jack from now well wow what what can i say really what what an absolute story um you know i've, I've got a lot of supernatural things that I can relate to that has happened in my life, um, you know, suffering addiction, there was disassociation, you know, addiction is a, a dissociative disease, um, you know, um, disconnection, um, and the opposite of that is connection, and that's that's what I needed my whole life, um, you know, uh, where demons came to me, it, I was, um, I'd already sort of, I, I knew who Jesus was. I'd, I'd sort of, I'd, I'd been healed from um, my uh, my addiction. I had the first taken away. I asked for it, and it got got taken. The first for drugs, um, but yeah, it was kind of like yeah, you cheers for that. And I, I, you know, I kind of carried out. I went to church, but I wasn't really connecting. And then I ended up in hospital with tuberculosis, pleurisy, double pneumonia type 2 lung failure, um, I had a complete and utter psychological, spiritual and physical breakdown. And I was convinced that God 
uh, had, uh, was ending the world, um, that Armageddon had come because um, I caused a pandemic uh, and people were literally dying outside my hospital door. Uh, and I was under such spiritual attack. Um, it was awful. Um, you know, my, uh, the, the lead pastor of, um, uh, of, of, of my, my church, a man by the name of Grantley Watkins, who is great, a great healer himself. And he is, is, you know, is a, is a hero of the faith. Um, you know, uh, and he, one of the founders of the, the new frontiers and he, he was sat by my bed and I thought he'd come to read my, read my last rites. So I was spewing out all this demonic crap, convinced that the world was going to end. And he, he took, he took a verbal sort of beating, but yeah, he kept coming back. And then I met Jesus at the end of my bed and it was lit, pretty much literally like you said, it, you know, a man with short, dark hair, he had olive skin and, and uh, he, he wasn't wearing the crown of thorns, but I knew it was Jesus. And um, you know, I, I felt him, I, I, for the first time in my life, you know, I'd met, uh, I'd I really connected with him. Um, you know, I've messed about with lots of different religions in my life, with Islam, with Buddhism, with witchcraft and everything. And I, I didn't realize that, you know, that I was being delivered there and then. And um, he really, <clears throat> sorry, uh, I took a, a, an absolute battering uh, and you know, I I'd pretty much lost everything, um, and I was I was delivered, uh, not in an instant, but it was like like this. I, I, I suppose a veil that that was that was lifted, um, you know, and, and a, a Bible verse that has dogged me throughout my life is Romans twelve twenty. Um, I've always been quite a vengeful man. Um, I had a, a, an arch enemy. No man in there, mind has an arch enemy. Um, I had so much unforgiveness in my life, um, especially towards myself, which then caused guilt and shame. And these are some of the things that I've worked on over the past few years. Um, you know, and it was it was just a total change and, and there are people out there who believe that it happened and you know there are people um you know it's all in the book and, and there are people that say you know surely that was just a a, a, a delusion caused by the a reaction to the drugs or the mental breakdown or whatever but i know that for the first time in my life i i actually met met jesus and, and he he did heal me but of of those things, but it's been a a really long journey over this past. You know, I'm coming up seven years clean and sober next month. And it's been a really, really long journey. Um, you know, I've got married um, in recovery. Um, you know, to my God sent her as an angel. You know, I was a homeless man walked into a a, a food bank and she took pity on me and she. 
she she gave me a coffee and and <laughs> she bought me cigarettes and took me out for a sandwich and you know we became really good friends and we fell in love um and it's 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 not all been easy i've had some i've trauma's always been the the big thing for me that's that's really sort of been embedded deep in in, in into the soul the trauma from childhood and things like that um and do you mind me asking have you have you had any ministry into into like that disassociation have you had any yeah ministry? yeah 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 getting reconnected to god um yeah yeah you, you know um because it was it was i was disconnected from god because yeah. i always believed in god i you know to me it wasn't um god exists god doesn't exist it was a fact god exists but i saw him as a vengeful god uh, you know like a, a spoiled kid with a, an ant farm and a magnifying glass on a sunny day and that's how i saw and felt like god was and, and and that went towards um how i was feeling in hospital you know uh trauma like i say tra I'm, I'm get you know i've been working on trauma for this past few years um and it's, it's been a slow thing but i've had trauma in sobriety you know um a man by the name of liam, De liam dean murdered my two-day-old niece and i wanted to kill him i know i i knew that i couldn't you know um he went to prison he was murdered by his cellmate yeah. and i was all right but uh, you, you know it took it took a year before nearly a year before my sister could have a funeral and i knew that i couldn't go home on my own back to yorkshire um because i live in, I, I live in norfolk uh, and one of the elders of my church came, took me he paid for a hotel room for us and you know he he, he took me and 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 spent the day with me and we were at the funeral and then i came out and his mum walked up to me and she put her arms around me and hugged me and it broke me it really broke me and we went back to the car and i just broke down in the car um and we on on the way home um chris and i prayed um and we prayed about unforgiveness and i had um so much unforgiveness in my life and you know i need to forgive myself but i also needed you know to forgive him not condone what he did not um you know not not like him you know but love him as as, as a, a human and that was that was that was hard that was so hard and it still is sometimes and you know i i was released from so much so much and and, and there are things there that i still need to work on um you know anger issues and, and and things like that uh, and mental health issues that i i you know i uh, occasionally dog me and but you know my life is 
you, you know, it's all about the people that know me. It's all about being connected with the church and, and, and with, with God. It's been so hard for me, this pandemic, because I've not been able to go to church. And, and that for me, that, that, that cut off a big part of the connection. Um, and, you know, I, I really, really found it hard. Um, but, you know, obviously since sort of October, since I've been doing this and I've, you know, I've been talking to about biblical stuff, I've been talking to men, uh, biblical men and, uh, you know, um, really helping me understand my faith and, you know, I've, I've been a Christian quite a few years now and it's, um, it don't get easier, does it? But, um, you know, it's, 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 God's really challenged me to, um, to push myself. And, and, and this is why I, I do this really. I'm not the most confident person. Um, and doing these podcasts really sort of pushed me through. I had some ministry um, I'm part of this thing uh, called the School of Supernatural Ministry or the School of Supernatural Life, which was from um, uh, the Bethel Church in Redding, California. Um, you know, and it's, it's a lot about prayer and prophecy and, um, uh, you know, ministering to the spirit and, you, you, you know, re really having a connection, a close connection with, with, with God and with Jesus and, you know it's it's just it, it's been fantastic you know and, and people said to me you know like i was telling you earlier i thought people say you know who didn't really know each other that went you know you, you're going to change the face of christian film um and then the pandemic hit uh, and it was like you know what am i going to do and then this came up and I, I started doing this and you know so many people that I speak to that I didn't know were godly men. You know, um, so many men that have been the G word, yeah. you know, the, the gangster word, you know, ex-bank robbers and, and stuff like that that have gone, I would not have my life were it not for Jesus Christ. And it's like, that's the thing that connects us all. Yeah. which is why I wanted to get John on and then John, uh, John Lawson. Um, and then he, you know, as you know, recommended you to me. And it was like, it, that was at a point where I was, people were pulling out, mm. you know, I'd have people um, lined up and people started pulling out. Um, and I, I like to, the way that I get guests usually is I, I approach people and then I say, God, if you want this person um, to be on my platform, um, if you want the person to speak for you, then um, let them come on and, 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 and let them use their voice for good. If not, then something will happen and, and they won't come on. Yeah. You know, or if it's not right for them at that moment, they won't come on and then you know they might come on when it's it's, it's better um and that's worked since october that's how it's been since october you know I, I i don't know who's coming on from day to day sometimes i won't have somebody on and then i'll get a phone call in the morning saying you know this that and the other and i'll have them on at night so you know it's it's a quite a i'll live quite a 
the supernatural life. I, I we rely as a family on, on God a lot. You know, we we live in faith. We live on faith. Um, it's exciting, isn't it? I, it can be an exciting way of living your life. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy, you know. No. Uh, but it was like it was my birthday uh, um, uh, a week or so ago, and um, I went down to the church on the Wednesday morning. They have a, a food star um, that, that they've been doing. Um, for families called Fun in the School Holidays Fish and go down there and now we can sit outside and have a coffee together and stuff uh, and one of the uh, one of the guys I was telling you about earlier he came up to me and said God told me to give you this and he gave me an envelope um, and um, my wife and I weren't going to be able to afford a, a birthday meal for me that night and it pretty much covered the birthday meal um, I've had my shoes falling off and not being able to, you know, we've had no money to get no shoes. Literally on, on the Saturday, my shoes were falling apart. The Sunday morning is before the, um, before the pandemic, the Sunday morning, I've turned up at school. One of the ladies at church has had a bag full of shoes saying, these are my sons. God told me to give you them. Um, you know, just things like that, that, a lot of people will put down to coincidence and it's like it's not it's just a supernatural god is so naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural and that's a thing that i like to get across in my my podcast because people don't realize you know they think god might be just that magic man in the sky that that doesn't talk to anybody that you know and he does the, um, i think that's the hardest part isn't it he's, he's um trusting god you know and, and that that takes takes a bit of working out um trusting him in everything making him lord and savior over every part of your life you know and that's your finances your family you know everything every part of your life um and that that takes a bit of working out i think to get to that point yeah. You know, I think we're always say get to that point. I don't think you get to any point, but um, but it can be like what I said earlier. It can be like exciting because I mean I've just I'm going to plug the book. I've just got it on the wall there. I've just written a book, yeah. book um, inside war from the jungle to the Jordan. That's the cover on now. I've never written a book before. I had a bit of an interest in writing. I remember I never read much at school. I remember reading my first book when I was about 20, 21 or something like that, really, you know, from where I've gone and bought a book and read it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Holy Spirit led me through that process. It took like, on and off, it took sort of three years, but I'd pick it up and do like a little bit here and there. But it was the last, it was last year where um, I just went and actually I went to one of LL Ministries centers down at, near Eastbourne and I went and just stayed in one of their little cottages for three it was actually four months I extended it a month and it was there that I really wrote 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 the, the book I really sort of got it got down and and I received see we mustn't be worried about this word deliverance because it's all on God's timing and all we need to do is just surrender and, and trust. And that's that's a difficult thing to do, like I said earlier. But 
if we if we can really work on that and just and, and trust that God God's plan is much better than we can ever think ourselves and work out our own plan and that's surrender if we can get to that point of continually surrendering and, and coming with a repentant heart because like I said just going back on what I've just shared I was baptized and it was about nine months after that I was still still in it and being attacked and we don't without repentance we're not gonna we can't come close to God without repentance because you know we've we've got to lower ourselves in the flesh so that we can be exalted in the spirit and that's that's it you know if we we can't walk around with our chest sticking out think you know the bible's clear you to talk about romans i mean romans 8 one and two is one of my favorite scriptures you know um there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus and one one or two versions of that new king james and that says who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit the holy spirit being led by the spirit of jesus well you can't be led by the spirit of jesus and still going out and doing your own things and that's what i was doing after i'd been baptized you know i, I hadn't changed the heart condition hadn't changed i was still you know just doing the same stuff and and then um you know that first the second verse of chapter eight of romans it goes on to say that um that the law of life in christ jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death and the thing is is the world is under the law of sin and death you know going back to the fall if you're going to read the bible and believe the bible you've got to read and understand and, and believe all of what the bible says and you go back to the beginning and we're on because of the fall because of the the rebellion against god you know human mankind is un, under the law of sin and death and so but jesus you know so we're under this there's, there's satan and there was god that was mankind well god uh, man rebelled so satan come in and and uh, brought that law of sin and death well then jesus came and broke us off from that law of sin and death but we've got to receive him we've got to say yes come in and cut me off and that's not about religion you know that has got nothing to do with religion doing a load of sets of you know we're saved by grace through faith and that that same verse goes on to to say that um because so that no man can boast because men boast in in their pride they boast and we want to say that we've done it so it really you know when when we realize that that this we're being called to know the truth all we got to do is just keep going i remember an irish pastor said to me once i, I was with john and we shared our testimonies in belfast in his church and I, we walked outside and he he walked up to me and he said keep going i can't do it in overnight accent very well northern irish but keep going he said keep going and i use that a lot you know that's what we got to do is just keep going and i tell you what you're going to suffer anyway i'm speaking to your viewers we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death right under the law of sin and death but we're not when we come to jesus we're not under that law of sin and death so we're not we're in the world but we're not of the world anymore so although you walk through that valley of the shadow of death you're covered jesus is the light of dawn came into the world we've accepted that light and and that's it you're going to suffer anyway in the world 
but it's better to suffer for Christ because we've got assurance of a life to come and he blesses us. Look, he's just blessed me with a book. He mm. blessed me with... When, when you see the world through Christ's eyes, you see people, you see their struggles, you see the influence that the enemy's got in their life, it breaks your heart. And it's not anything, I'm not saying I had a, I did have a hard heart, but it's when Jesus transforms you, when the Holy Spirit starts to do a work in your life, when Jesus starts to transform us, we start to see the world through his eyes. Well, you're, you're, you know, you're, you've got compassion then, you know, as long as you submit and you want that humility, you start to, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And it's not, it's not about Rolls Royces and Bentleys and Porches and it's, you know, he knows what we need. He knows what our children need, but we don't want the desires of the world anymore when we come to, because we're looking through godly eyes and that's the miracle. That's what I encourage your viewers to really, if, if your viewers are listening to this and it's, it's making sense to them, it's because God's opening their ears. The Holy Spirit is opening their ears to, 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 to hear the word, which is Jesus. You know, uh, uh, and, and that's, that's the power of God. That's the grace of God. And that's the miracle. No man can do it. And every man, I've said this, I'm doing some videos myself and I'm you know, going to start uploading them onto YouTube and really sort of just speaking to people. And I'd like to start doing some podcasts like I said to you earlier before we started at some point, maybe down the line. But you know what, this is, um, this is something that we've, we've all, and especially this world that we're living in now, you know, we might, everyone is going to stand before God and everyone's got to get right. Uh, Billy Graham said that everyone's got to get right with God. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And what, what's he going to, if we haven't received him, and it's not about religion, it's about receiving that gift. It's about getting on your knees, accepting that you need, realizing that you need a savior, accepting it, that you need a savior, saying, I repent. I want you to do a work in me. I want you to cleanse me. Jesus, I want to be with you. I repent. Please forgive me. Please help me. And, you know, and, and I used to hate obedience because of the life I lived. Obedience, I, I, didn't, I hated that word obedience. I weren't obedient to anything or anyone. But when you come to Christ, you start to really want that. Uh, you really want to be obedient because you realise that God's intentions for you is, is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's love. I'm not saying it's going to be a bed of roses because we're in a spiritual fight. That means that God's enemy then becomes our enemy, but he always was Satan. It's just that we didn't know. We had blinkers on. We had a blindfold on. But what happens is God calls us to his son. He wants to take that blindfold off. And then what he wants to do is show us, the, the Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But you've got to receive it. You've got to receive mm. the truth. You stand there with your chest out in pride. I don't need it. Well, you know, you might not think you do but you're gonna and I, I guarantee that every man even a multi-billionaire will get to the end of his life even in his 90s will eventually look look up to the sky and say what's this all about because i haven't found the truth is it too late well it will be too late if he don't repent mm. because it's too late once we pass over and that's not a threat it's a fact it's clear on it jesus is clear on it the bible's clear on it 
Look, uh, you know, if we don't receive Jesus right now, receive that free gift of grace. And it's a wonderful life. It's like when you get to know that truth, when God gives you that truth, you know, you're, you're, that's a miracle. You've got God speaking to you. He's, God's opened your ears up and he speaks to you through the word, his word, through other Christians. Sometimes he just opens your eyes and your ears up to what he's doing. And all he wants is for us to just believe him repent surrender and, and but also be a soldier for him it's about being a soldier as well you you've got to be willing to if you've got any fight in your heart i mean i was always very stubborn and now god uses that fight he, he, you know he i mean he's really stripped me down and built me back up and i like that seven that number seven that you use it's been seven years because i think there is something in that it's a it's a, it's a completion number and i'm in the eighth year now since the jungle and I do feel that the Lord's opening stuff up for me now. I mean, that eighth—it's almost like the eighth day is the new year, is the new week. Mm. You know, and, and I think that there's something in that 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 period. And I think that's maybe what you're experiencing um, yourself, mm. you know, Jack. At this time, I think you're yeah. you're in that season, that eighth year. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. The, you know, my um, well, like I said, uh, Grantley uh, at church, he talked about seasons a lot. Yeah. You know, different seasons. You know, when we're we're, we're in a season, um, and that will change, and we'll go into another season. Um, you know, some of it will be good, some of it will be bad, some of it, you know, we won't. We'll, we'll need to pray on because it won't be as clear. Um, you know. I've really got a lot from what you've had to say. I did want to share something with you um, from my book, my first book. Um, and when I wrote it, I had had like so much fear in my life, um, you know, um, and I'd had that fear, fear you know, we, we'd prayed on it and prayed on it, um, you know, on guilt and shame and stuff like that. And um, just before I was due to put it into the publisher, uh, the, um, it was a couple of days before I, I had a, I, I had a dream, um, and this poem came to me, um, and it, I think it kind of fits in with a lot of what you've been saying. So if if you'll allow me, I'd I'd, I'd like to yeah. share it with you. Um, it's called debt. Um, I had a debt, a debt I could not pay, yet the slate was wiped clean so I could live my life today. A debt so big that money could not clear, only the pain of a man that died without fear. And since man is broken, the only way it could be done was for a loving father to send himself as his son. So there he was for a debt that was ours on a hill in Golgotha, nailed to a tree. He took all of that sin and slowly suffocated for you and me. And as the blood fell from his hands, feet and head, he yelled three words, it is finished. And then he was dead. By his death, he put in a guaranteed check, the wages of sin paid by his death. So how do we access life where we are no longer in debt with sin, 
simply by just one thing mm. believing in him amen amen yeah and, and that 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 poem stuck with me a lot yeah um and yeah that's it well yeah. it's we it's, well, it's what we're called to do is, is to is to teach the word pre preach it and teach it share it with the world and and just come with love you know without love we can just, we're just a clanging symbol aren't we you know it says in first corinthians 13 doesn't it you know it says you can have all the gifts but without love you know you're just a clanging symbol right? you're just another voice so and that that humility you know again that we just got to be willing willing and uh, and and just open to god's will for us and and he fills us with his with his love and his and that that compassion comes from christ that love and, and that that in itself is just beyond measure you can't measure that and, and that's you know i mean i never used to cry much I'm, i've got tears all the time i you know what i mean i pray for people and i see people healed i see their countenance change their face change you know i see them look they're 10, 10 years younger sometimes you know where god's delivered them and it's a beautiful thing you, you you get a bit knackered it can be a little bit lonely at times you know you sometimes you you get the tank gets so empty you get that kind of sort of decompression john might have spoke about you, know, you get like a very you get like the tank gets low and you you, you need to sort of that's when you need to watch yourself as a, as a Christian that's on the front line because, uh, you know, you just really need to be replenished and draw close to God and so on and um, in prayer, and which, which is what we should be doing every day anyway. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful life because it's not just about eternal life, although that's really a huge part of it. I mean, this is just a, this life is just a, a blink of an eye. And, you know, and we're talking about eternity is forever. So, of course, eternity is what it's about, living for eternity. Um, but once we've, you know, once we've surrendered to, to, to God and we've, we've received Jesus, then we're, we're, we're now doing the most important work you could ever, ever think of ever doing. And that brings tears to my eyes when I know that I've been, you know, I've... I've been chosen, you know, I've been called, you know, and, and I've, I've, I've received that, I've walked into that calling. And, and now, you know, I, I just feel I'm getting closer all the time to God's, to, 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 to God's heart. And it's, it's, it just overwhelms you sometimes. I went out today, is I've got a gym, because I'm sort of juggling a little bit at the moment, I'm waiting for the, you know, like you've done living by faith like you, and I've got a I started up a gym um, contract again the other day and the gym's only across the road from me. I only went a few times, a couple of times, and I thought, you know what, it's 70 quid. It's, I'm not going to use it and I'll just go for a walk, you know, whatever. And it's 70 quid wasted. So I went over there this afternoon, walked into the into the reception, said, I just want to cancel my contract. I might start it again in a couple of months or something. But and then a guy walked past, he said, oh, oh Ingram Ice, and he said the school that I used to go to, and I didn't recognise him. I thought, do you know what, I don't want to sound like a peer rude, but I couldn't, didn't recognise the guy. But he, he was mentioning kids from 
when I was little and and that school and I thought well it's got to be he's obviously from that he did go to that school but I thought there's something in this the Lord's in this I still didn't recognize him so I walked outside with him walked to the end of the car park and I said well I've just turned 50 he went oh I'm 43 I said well hold up how could we have been in the same school because you're only there for three years secondary school um uh, that particular one and then you went to another uh, senior one after that um you know he said we well, must have been and i i think whether we've been in company at some point somewhere in a pub but i don't think he had me mistaken for someone else and i said you know what i said have you got any faith in your heart he said well not more than i'm on the fence really so i gave him a tract it was in my pocket I said, look, take my number, write my number down on the back of there. I'm just starting to do some YouTube stuff. Got a book coming out. I said, can I pray for you? I said, because Jesus knows you. You might not know him, but he knows you and he wants you to know him. I said, and you've got to think about what this, what, what, what's going to happen when you pass. And anyway, I don't want to go into that, but I had a little chat with him. I said, can I pray with you? I didn't try and press him into giving his life to the Lord. I just put a hand on his shoulder. I asked him, I said, can I put a hand on your shoulder with me? And I said, I'm just going to, can I uh, ask that Jesus reveal himself to you? Holy Spirit come upon you and just reveal himself to you and let, let God reveal himself. And he went, okay, yeah. And I put a hand on him and he looked at me and I was praying for him and I could see a little wobble, right? And he said, oh, that was so emotional. And then the tears were coming down his eyes. And I could see that Jesus was speaking to that man. And I gave him the tract with my name on it. I said, look, the only reason I've done that is because like any YouTube videos, the ones that I'm doing now, if he picks up on it, I do predominantly speak to men. I'm speaking to everyone, but I think my ministry is more, maybe my, it breaks my heart when I speak to men for some reason. I don't know. I just, cause there's so many men, nearly every, there's so many men that, that really need this ministry. They really need men of God to speak into their hearts and make make them realise it's okay, and that that God is real. And and that, of course, you know that's only God revealing Himself. That's only God drawing them to Jesus. Anyway, you know Jesus said, "No one comes to me unless the Father draws them first." We're just in the gap. But look, I could have gone five minutes later, I wouldn't have bumped into that guy. You know, when you're obedient and you want that word again, when you're obedient, because you want to see the fruit, you want to see the miracles God performs. You know, it, it, it fills you with joy when you see someone react to a prayer. And you know that, you just know in your heart that God's calling that man. You know that that man is on his way to salvation. That is the best job in the world. I mean, how can you get a better job than that? You know, so... That's just want to say to your viewers, this is what this is about. You know, you, if you've got, God wants to heal you first. He wants to get you ready. He wants to fill you with his joy and his love, and his truth and his peace. And then he sends you out. He says, right, now go and share me with the world. And that, if you can see yourself doing that, then get right with Jesus and he'll do the rest of the work. We just, you just got to let him, just surrender just say i'll give up to your surrender to your will get get yourself a bible um get in the word of god read the word of god every day pray and that's it and god 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 will do the rest for you and there's amazing there's amazing future ahead of you
there really is. I just want to pray that over your viewers now. Just like, Lord Jesus, open their hearts. Father God, in Jesus' name, open their hearts. Holy Spirit, convict, convict their hearts of their sin. Bring them to their knees so that you can bless them and, 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 and fill them with your love. Deliver them, heal them, Lord, of the deep healing that they need. And, and so that you can then lift them up and use them and, and, and walk with them and, and to walk with God. I mean, to think it's even available. Well, it is available. It's a miracle. And I just pray that you would walk into that miracle, walk into that blessing, walk into the light, the light of dawn that shines, that Jesus is the light. And that's it. There is no other way. He's the way, the truth and the life. There's no other way to get into the kingdom of God. And we're all going to stand before Jesus. And, you know, he's either going to say, welcome with open arms, or he's going to say, I've, you know, I reached out to you this time, this time, this time, this time. You, but you, you chose condemnation over, over me. And, you know, and I know that that must break God's heart. Because if I, if, if I get tears in my eyes when I see, when I see, like, you know, just wickedness in the world and all of these things. That's because that's the spirit of God in me. That's not me. All right. I did used to have a soft heart for certain things, especially kids. But God, that love of God is, is, is a love that we don't understand until we receive it. That's a much higher, powerful love than, than, than just that human love than we expect that we understand. It's a much more intense, powerful love, you know, and it's, it's just a miracle that it's available to us. So yeah, everyone listening, just, just receive the Lord. Just say, Jesus, thank you that you're speaking to me. Just come into my heart right this, this very day. I repent of all my sins. Wash me with your blood. I surrender my life to you. Please forgive me. And he will. He loves you. He forgives you. And then he's got, he's got a tremendous life. It's going to be up and down. But you know what? It's better to be in the front lines in the right army. I was in the wrong army for too many years. Now I'm in the right army. And it don't, you're going to get shot at. Soldiers get shot at, right? When you're doing anything worth talking about for Jesus, the enemy is going to shoot at you and try and bring you down. But God has only, God's got his, his hand on you and, and he might allow certain things because then you'll know how to, how to, better that situation next time where you'll see the arrows coming so it's all a once you come to jesus he's got his hand on god's got his hand on you he's, he, he's he, he, nothing can you know it, whatever bad situation we might find ourselves in we know that we're doing it now for for jesus for the namesake of jesus we're doing it and, and if we're going to suffer it's better to suffer as i said earlier for christ because we're we're stacking up our riches in, in, in the next life to come. You know, we're stacking up our rewards. We're running that good race. And, and we're, you know, we're, we're building rewards for the next life, you know. And, and every, every time we step out for Christ, I've got to tell you, when I left that guy, I walked up to a viewpoint up the road here. And there was a, a guy in the park, a little viewpoint, it's a park. And I walked out, I thought I had two more tracks in my pocket. I thought I've got to. Uh, speak to this guy now and um, I just walked over to him and he was just standing up he had the dog with him he's on his phone 
And I said, excuse me, I said, uh, I couldn't give you one of these, could I? I said, look, I'm a Christian evangelist. I said, just means I share my faith. I said, look, do you have any faith in your heart? I said, look, could I pray for you? What's your name? And he said, he said his name. And he said, okay, yeah. And that was it. I just didn't touch him. I just prayed with him, prayed for him. I just said, Jesus, reveal yourself to him. Holy Spirit, come upon this man. I pray for his salvation in you, Lord Jesus. And that was it. Gave him a tract. He went, oh, wow. Thank you, mate. And walked off with his dog. That's all it takes. Let God do the rest. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's good to try and lead, 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 you know, good to lead people. It doesn't mean to say necessarily if someone stands there and says, it's a, it's a heart condition. You know, I was baptised and I went under the water and I said, yeah, I'll receive you, Jesus, and all that. But my heart wasn't ready yet. So it don't necessarily mean that if someone says, yeah, I receive you into my heart, that that's a process. You know, it's a tremendous prayer and everyone should start there. And But it really is, um, it's a process and it's, it's, a, it's a changing, a change of direction. It's changing your mind repentance it's it's truly believing what god is wants to do believing on jesus and uh, and and yeah and turning direction stopping turning around and walking jesus matthew 4 wasn't it 17 he said repent for the kingdom of god is near you repent stop turn around look at me i'm right here you know he's 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 he's, he's here he's, he's in our midst now as we're speaking Holy Spirit is with us and he's reaching out to your viewers, be it live now or, or when they watch in the future. So, Lord, Father, God, have your way with these men, women and children that are listening to this, be it now or in the future, Lord. Bless them, Lord. I just want to release, Father God, release your anointing over, the, over these children, Lord. Bring them into your kingdom, into your family. Make them uh, children of you, Lord. You know, bring them, bring them into your kingdom, Lord. Bless them, Jesus. Heal them and um, forgive them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, mate. Um, yeah, I think I think I think we'll leave it there, and um, yeah, just 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 let people soak it in. Um, I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm gonna wind up and then um, once I do uh, we'll have a quick debrief afterwards if that's all right. Sure. So if you just stay on. Um, thanks, guys, ever so much for tuning in. It's been a powerful one tonight. It's been an emotional one, uh, one that I've really felt deep into my soul. Um, I knew that this was gonna be um, uh, powerful and and life changing for some people and life affirming for others um and yeah it is it's one to just sit and think and listen and pray um so I, I i i do advise that you um do that if you do need to talk um please get in touch with me uh through the accidental journalist uh, page um or through my website which is on the page um i'll you know i'll i'll um, i'll pass messages on to Tony as well, um, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I know a few people that have been on tonight that would um, probably be benefited from this. So I shall see you 
uh, all next week, I believe. Um, we've got a few people coming up. Uh, Brian Emmett um, is going to be another powerful one that's coming up soon. Um, he's a tremendous man of God. Uh, and we're going to do something a little bit different to what, what we usually do. Um, and, um, yeah, I've got uh, a, a, quite a few people coming on um, that, that uh, I've been blessed to get to know. So um, with that, guys, um, I shall... Um, I shall see you next week.